I want y'all to go with me to a familiar passage of scripture. And uh, it's so familiar, y'all, that we can quote it. And I found myself, I found myself running back to the Psalms. Um, I was sharing in the 8 o'clock service this morning, sometimes God will bring some stuff to your door that you didn't ask for. As the man of God, sometimes he has to bring the faith test to our house. And there are times when God does some things, and you can't always see what God is doing while he's doing it. And, but, but when you get still long enough, and when you're able to concentrate on him, then you're able to see his hand moving more clearly in your life. And sometimes out of your misery will become and will come your greatest ministry. God will use your mess to turn it around to let it be a blessing to somebody else. And so I'm, I'm thankful that through the trials that he has allowed me to go through and, and, and allowed me to encounter, he's done some things in my life that only God can do. And he's made me appreciate him as well as trust him just a little bit more. But sometimes when stuff get crazy and hectic and, and, and when life just start getting hard and members don't want to act right, hey, amen, amen. And, and churches, church work becomes more of a chore than a joy when you're pouring your heart out and it seems like you wonder if the people are getting what God is pouring into you. When everyone comes and drinks from your cup and then you don't even have enough to sustain yourself. When you have to push yourself through in spite of, when I was sharing with the eight o'clock service this morning how sometimes we have to wear masks to make ourselves appear to be one thing when we're really broken and dealing with internal issues ourselves on the inside, but we have to put on a mask and be, be, be a picturesque of strength because that's what the people want us to be because we can't have a moment of weakness. <clears throat> we always have to be one who's able to give, 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 but then when it's time to put our hands out and receive, we don't always get back what we've been putting into other people's lives. And so I find myself, I found myself in recent months uh, running to the Psalms. I preached this morning from the 40th division of Psalms. And, and here I want to take you to old, another familiar, which is the 23rd Psalm. And I know, I know most of us learned this when we were knee high to a duck. Amen. So go on, quote it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want with me. Don't do it behind me. Quote it with me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup 
runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just for your prayers, with your prayers, I just want to talk about the benefits of the sheep. The benefits of the sheep. Bow with me as we talk to God in prayer. Father God, we just want to simply say thank you for what we are about to receive. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This is a psalm that has been taught. This is a psalm that has been preached over and over and over again. One of the early psalms that we were ever have ever had an opportunity to learn. But if you really look at the psalm, you will see that there are some benefits as God's sheep that we have in this particular psalm. The problem is so many times that the devil has given us a distorted view of our relationship with God. He makes us think that we got to give up too much if we come to the Lord. He makes us believe that we can't walk in victory if we come to the Lord. He makes us believe and think that we got to uh, 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 walk the floors all night long, that we got to drink tears for water, that we got to have our head all bowed down, that we got to be broken down in misery because it costs too much to give up something to come to the Lord. But I want you to know and understand something from the onset this morning. You don't lose anything when it comes to coming to the Lord. As a matter of fact, he takes what you have and then he presses it down and he shakes it together and he's making room to put more on top of what you already have so that what he gives you will be in abundance to overflow into somebody else's life. And so here it is when we come to this particular passage of scripture, you got to be careful of the picture that you paint before other people of your God. Because sometimes the way we live our spiritual lives paints a picture that our God is broke down, that our God is incapable, that our God can't help, that our God can't assist. And sometimes the only God that people are going to see is not the God that they read about in the Bible, the only God they ever see is the picture that you paint before them so you better be careful of how you paint the picture of your God for other folk to see it was Jesus who was the one who was asked a question by Peter when Peter said Lord well, uh, what's in it for us he said we done gave up everything that we have to follow you and Jesus talks back to him and he said no man ever giving up houses and lands and mothers and fathers or sisters and brother or children for my name's sake uh, uh, will I not return back to them fourfold. I want us to know and understand that when God blesses us, God truly blesses us. You don't lose a thing when it comes to the Lord. And so when you find chapter 22, you, won't, you will find not a sheep in celebratory mode. You will find a sheep complaining. Here you have in chapter 22, David is complaining about everything that's not going on in his life right. That's not working out right. What you did for my forefathers, what you ain't doing for me. And here in chapter 22, he is signing himself not realizing everything that God has done, but starts complaining about what God is not doing. You can't be so upset with God and be uh, mad at God for what he's taken away that you forget to bless God for what you still have. 
And so here it is, here it is when he's going through the chapter, he comes to chapter 23, but before he even gets in chapter 23, towards the end of chapter 22, his mind makes a shift. He starts out complaining, but towards the end of chapter 22, he starts praising God and thanking God for what he's done. When he gets to chapter 23, he starts out with, I believe, is the thesis statement that everything else is built on for he says the Lord is my shepherd then he says I shall not want when he wrote the Lord he could have stopped right there because when mentioning the Lord and saying that the Lord is what are you saying I'm saying that everything that I need him to be he is. Anybody need him as a doctor? He is. Anybody need him as a healer? He is. Anybody need him as a lawyer? He is. You need him as a defense attorney? He is. He said the Lord is. Now I like the fact that the Lord is because when he starts mentioning the fact that he is, then you have to look at the picture of God. When you look at God, you will come to understand the very nature of God. And God is the one who exists in all facets of time. It wasn't so much that God created time, that time was created for God. God was the one who created time. And so therefore time is no concept to him. But when I look at God He's a God of yesterday, he's a God of today, and he's a God of tomorrow. When I look at God, he has free reigns to roam around in my yesterday, dwell with me in my present while taking care of my future at the same time. And so what I love about God is because he has free reigns to go back in my past, I can't change my yesterday, I can't change my past, but God can go back in my yesterday and clean up what I messed up and make it okay y'all ain't praying with me today he has free reigns to go back into my yesterday and correct some stuff for me that I could not correct on my own but not only is he taking care of my yesterday God is dwelling with me right now in my present see every now and then I don't need a God of tomorrow I need a right now God now y'all can sit here and act holy if you want to. Yeah, uh, I need God to work for me right now on this day. I know you already got tomorrow taken care of. I'm not going to fret about tomorrow. As a matter of fact, if you really think about it, tomorrow never comes. Because when tomorrow gets here, it ain't tomorrow, it's today. So why put stock in something that would never ever come to pass? God, I need you to work in my life right now. I'm broken right now. My heart is weary right now. I'm troubled in my mind right now. My faith is shaking right now. And I need your work at this moment. Not so much. But then, he's a God of yesterday. He's a God of today. But then he's also a God of tomorrow. He has, he has tomorrow in, in his grasp already and taken care of. He secures my future so I don't have to worry. So he, David says that the Lord is. But then he shifts it all in the same verse. He said the Lord is, but then he said my shepherd. In other words, David says, is showing us he ain't just somebody 
else's shepherd, but he's my shepherd, which shows me that a benefit of me and this shepherd is that I am in relationship with him. See, I don't know how that makes you feel, but it makes me feel good. It makes me shout to know that I am in relationship with God. I can call him my father. He can look back and call me his child. I can treat him in such high esteem. I can praise him even when stuff ain't going right because praise ain't all about shouting when everything is going good. Praise is about lifting up something to God when all hell done broke loose. And what I know is when I'm in relationship with God my relationship with him ain't based off my feelings because if it's based off my feelings sometimes I don't feel like praising him he said I'm in relationship he said the Lord is my shepherd I've claimed him for my own he belongs to me I belong to him he is my shepherd and because He's my shepherd. He said, I don't want for anything. How many of us can actually realize that God is our shepherd and we don't have to want for anything? See, I know a lot of times we miss the concept because we're so busy asking God to take care of our wants when God said I ain't interested in your wants he said I'm interested in meeting your needs and God has shown over and over in his word he is not by design interested in making us happy but God says what I'm trying to do is make you holy so God said while I'm trying to make you holy he said sometimes I gotta do some stuff that's uncomfortable to you because you are in relationship with me and I want the best out of you David said that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want but then watch the next verse he said he maketh me to lie down in green pastures has the Lord had to make any of us lie down? When you've been so busy trying to fulfill your own agenda that you left God totally out the equation and God said, oh, you're doing just a little bit too much. And God said, I got to show you, you ain't running nothing. So he said, I got to make you lie down. God says, God said, I'm interested in you. And God said, whatever I got to do to keep you as my sheep, God said, that's what I'm willing to do. So God said, if I got to open a window just so I can close a door, God said, I'll do that. God said, if I got to make it bad with your body in order to make it well with your soul, God said, I'll do that. He said, the stuff that I do may not always feel good to you, but I'm doing the best thing for my sheep. He said, because I care for you. He said, he maketh me. But then, he don't make him to lie down anywhere. He still makes him and lie down in a place, in a position where he can still be nourished and fed by the shepherd. 
Oh, y'all ain't praying with me today. In other words, he could have put you in a dusty field where there was no sustenance all around you. No, but God said, when I make you lie down and it's only for a season, I'm still going to put you in a place where I can nourish your heart, encourage your soul, feed your spirit. He making me lie down in green pastures. Then, then watch this. He said, he leadeth me. <laughs> Beside the still waters. God can't lead anyone who's not willing to follow. And so sometimes, instead of having sheep, he's dealing with a bunch of goats. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You can't lead a goat nowhere. You got to drive a goat wherever you want it to go. And God said, I don't want your spirit to be so haughty and so lofty to the point that I can't lead you. He said, when you got the mindset of a sheep, the tenderness of a sheep, the heart of a sheep, God said, I can leave you anywhere and lead you anywhere because you're not going to put up any type of resistance against me. And so he said, so he said, he leads me beside still water. Why? Because God knows that sheep are afraid of running water. And God will never bring you purposely into the company of something that he knows you are fearful of. See, to have fear is one thing. But to be fearful means that you are full of fear. And if you're full of fear, then God says and shows us that it doesn't leave any room for faith. Because fear and faith cannot dwell at the same place at the same time. So God said, I got to make it so there's still room for me to work and, to, and activate uh, some power into your life. And so if you got a little bit of fright, God said, that's still good. I got something that I can work with. Just don't become fearful. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Then he says, for what? His name's sake. In other words, God's name is on the line. He realized if he is the shepherd, then how he treats his sheep says a lot about him. That's like if we have kids and how we as parents treat our children says a lot about us and God says I'm going to lead you in path that's going to be for your strengthening for your growth, for your development for your uprise, for your upcoming he said I'm going to lead you in the way that are right, you'll never have to worry about me steering you in a wrong direction I'm doing it the right way because my name is on the line because if God did not lead us right, then we can turn around and call God a lie. But God says, God says, no, because my reputation is on it and all I have is my word. When I couldn't swear by anybody else, I swore by myself because all I have is my word. And when I said, I'll take care of you, you got to know I'll take care of you. When I said, I'll lead you, you got to know I'll lead you, but I'm going to lead you in paths that are right for you. And then watch what he said, watch what he said. Yea, though I walk through the valley 
of the shadow of death. What did he say? I will fear no evil. He said what? For thou are with me. In my hardest, most difficult moments, it's good to know that my Savior, my shepherd, my guide is still right there willing to lead me if I want to be led. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. One thing about a shadow is a shadow is not the real thing. Have you ever have you ever seen those of those TV shows and, and cartoons and different things where somebody is walking down the street and then they see a shadow of maybe a dog or some type of figure and it looks so much greater and bigger than what it actually is and then when they walk upon the real thing and see how small it is they got all fearful and everything for nothing because a shadow is not always the representation of what is real. He said, "Yea, though I walk." the valley of the shadow of death but here's the thing no matter how dark it may get if there's a shadow that means it's only a shadow because there's some light somewhere if there was no light then there could not be no shadow and so what you gotta know in your darkest time in your despair if you're walking through the valley of your shadow of death the light that's there with you is the Lord himself don't discredit his presence he said, yeah, though I walk through. In other words, I ain't going in this stuff to stay. And the only way for me to get to the other side of what I'm dealing with is I got to learn to just keep walking. See, a lot of us, we have made a permanent uh, position that was only supposed to be a temporary spot. There are so many of us who trying to put a period where God has said, I put a comma. He told us to keep on going. He told us to keep on walking. And so some of us, when stuff start falling apart, we want to stand right there. Because if the truth be told, some of us want to stand there and wallow in our misery because we want somebody to feel sorry for us. You know, it amazes me. I have people say, hey, Brother Thomas, can I meet with you? Yeah, sure. You know, and then when I get to get to meeting with them, they bring me all these issues that they want me to fix. And I got to let them know, look, I ain't no fixer. I can't fix you. I sure can't fix this. But then sometimes I got to remind folk. See, sometimes you got to you got you got to politely put people to shame. Amen. Y'all might not agree with you, but yeah, you got to politely put people to shame. Because see, they want me to fix it. I said, we had a class on that. Where, where were you? You weren't in the class. I talked three weeks off of that. Where were you? You weren't available when the, when the, when the, when the, when the process of your growth and, and development was being made. I, I said, I, I preached the whole series. And so sometimes you got to let people know you can be in and around help but still go away the same because you will not take advantage of the help that's available. And sometimes people are just so lazy that they want you to do for them what they ain't even willing to do for themselves. It's a shame when somebody wants something more for you than you want it for yourself. Listen, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I ain't got a thing to worry about. 
He said, because thou art with me. Y'all, y'all, y'all here? Okay. And then he comes to this interesting part. <laughs> come here, Gerald. Uh, but Twyman, come here for a second. Billy, Billy, come here. Come here for a second. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Let me get one more. Come here, Ham. Come here. You. Yeah. Nah. Green? Green tie? Green tie. Yeah. Landrum, come on. Come on. Uh, okay. Then, then he says something in- interesting. He says... He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, that's interesting because a rod, are you the rod? Did I point you? Okay, rod, staff. A rod was used to pop a sheep on the head to get him back in line again. It was used as a form of discipline for the sheep. Because David, really what he was saying, if you look at it closer, he said, the Lord has a relationship with sinning sheep. That's why he said, he restoreth my soul. And I'm so glad that God does not treat us like we treat one another. When somebody messes up, when somebody does wrong, the first thing we want to do is cancel them off the list. If God canceled us every time we messed up, would none of us be in here today? He said, thy rod and thy staff, they covered Rod had that knob on the end to pop that sheep, get him back in line. Staff was used that whenever the sheep started getting far out of the shepherd's reach, he'd reach out that staff with a hook on it and pull him right back in. So listen what he said. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What are you saying, David? That sometimes God has to correct me. Sometimes God has to discipline me. Sometimes God has to get me back in line. But it's a comfort to me because if he don't do it, where I end up is going to be worse before I got his correction. He said, thy rod and thy staff, they are comfort to me. Then he says, thou preparest, I like this, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Sometimes we spend so much time and energy fighting folk that we don't even have to fight. Say amen when you can. Sometimes we are waging in battles that we don't have to be waged in. And don't you know that a lot of times the battles are never physical. They're always spiritual. And you can't win a spiritual battle by trying to fight them in fleshly means. Oh, y'all better say something to me. And so listen, listen, listen. He said, thou ride and I staff, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. I like that because what he's trying to show David, he said, I know you got some haters. 
There's some folk woke up this morning drinking haterade trying to get at you. I know they out there. I know you got some enemies. I know you got some folk that ain't on your team, ain't on your side. He said, but I'm going to show you how good I am to you because you're one of my sheep. He said, I'm going to fix a table uh, for all of your enemies. And he said, the banquet ain't going to begin until all of your enemies are SVP. Y'all better help me up in here. And once you get all your enemies at the table, he said, I'm going to show them how good I am to you he said because I'm going to bless you in front of them and I'm going to fill your cup over that they're going to have to drink from your saucer Mm. he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and it's not so much for for that he does it so that I have an opportunity to get back at them. He does it so that I can see his power working in my life. Because one of the greatest tools that God can give a child of his is discipline. When you want to slap the taste out of somebody's mouth, but the Lord keep your hand behind your back. Discipline. When you want to tell somebody what you really feel about them, and, 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 and give them the cussing that you really think they deserve, but the Lord just shut your mouth and hold your tongue. Discipline. When you want to go behind the building and settle it like you used to do in the streets, but you say, no, nah, I'm just going to pray for you. Discipline. He gives us tools that will show us that it's not about revenge for him. It's about him demonstrating his power through us. He said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of, a, of my enemy. He said, thou anointest my head with oil. Cup running over. But then he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. See, I Church folk don't know when to shout. (laughs) He said, surely. In other words, you ain't got to have a doubt about this. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Oh, no, y'all not seeing it. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days. Every time I think that the Lord done left me, I just look back over my shoulder and I see goodness and mercy and they following me. They following me. They following me. They following me. When church folk get hard, I still got goodness and I got mercy and they following me. They following me. They following me. They follow me. Well, why is it that the rod and the staff ain't following me like goodness and mercy? Because I don't always need to be corrected. I don't always need to be brought back in line. I don't always need to have the Lord pull me in. But I always need his. I need his goodness. I need his mercy. I need it to go with me everywhere that I go. And because I got goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life, I ain't leaving the church. I shall, grace and mercy, y'all supposed to be over here with me. I shall dwell in the house 
the Lord, not temporary, not sometime. He said, I'm going to stay there forever. What keeps me there? His goodness keeps me there. What keeps me there? His grace keeps me there. What keeps me there? His mercy keeps me there. Because if it was up to the church folk, can't get no goodness. Show can't get no mercy. And it's amazing to me how people only want it when it applies to them. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. Yeah. When they in the thing, when they need it, then they want everybody to give it to them. But when somebody else's need, they want to rationalize how much of a portion should I give out to them. No, what's going to hold me is what I know that's sure. That's goodness. And that's mercy. That's following me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell. I'm going to stay. I'm going to reside. I'm going to live in the house of the Lord forever. Whenever life starts getting rough on you and when you think that God has abandoned you if you turn back and look and if you look close enough you're going to find his goodness and you're going to find his mercy and when you see it it ought to make you throw up a hand and say God thank you that you ain't left me by myself that you still got a presence of you with me God I thank you for it because I got it, I know I can go on just a little while further. Because I know you have equipped me because I'm one of your sheep. And because you're my shepherd, because I'm in relationship with you, you're my shepherd. You're going to sustain me and give me everything I need in order that I can be whole. And I can be able to dwell in your house. If you're here today, thank you. You're not a member of the body of Christ. You come by hearing his word, hearing the fact that God sent his son to die just for you. Hear the message of reconciliation, the message of salvation. That God loved you enough, even when you didn't know nothing about him, he loved you enough to send the very best. He gave his son as a sacrifice. Sometimes when you talking to those who are contemplating marriage, one of the questions I ask them is, how do you measure love? And man, you get all kind of answers from, from people who's getting ready to say, I do, how they measure love. And after I heard all the answers that they have to give, I give them the correct answer. I said, you measure love like John 3.16. See, John 3.16 said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son.